Amen. Well, please take your Bibles and turn with me at this time to the book of Numbers. We're in Numbers chapter 24 and verse 17. Uh, Today is the second Sunday of Advent, and this Advent season, uh, we're taking these four Sundays to look at what we're calling four great prophecies of Christmas. And as we mentioned last week, the Bible is full of prophecies, okay? Full of prophecies that were made centuries before they were fulfilled. And these fulfilled prophecies are one of the key indicators that the Bible, God's Word, truly is God's Word. And that Jesus really is who He said He was. And Jesus fulfilled so many prophecies at His coming. Uh, But during this series, we're going to be focusing on four of the big ones. And I will look at the slide of these right now. Last week, we looked at the prophecy of a great battle from Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. Uh, This week, we're going to look at the prophecy of a great star. Uh, Next week, we'll uh, look at the prophecy of a great sign. And then finally, the fourth week, we'll look at the prophecy of a great king. Once again, all four of these prophecies, these are prophecies that were given centuries in advance. And all four of them were fulfilled when Christ came to earth at Christmas. So today we're looking at the prophecy of the star. It's found in Numbers 24, 17. Would you please stand with me for the reading of God's word? Numbers chapter 24 and verse 17. I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star will come out of Jacob. A scepter will rise out of Israel. He will crush the foreheads of Moab, the skulls of all the sons of Sheph. This is God's holy word. Let us pray. Well, dear Lord, as we look at this second great prophecy of Christmas, uh, Lord, we, we, we look at that verse on the page and we see the star in there and something about a scepter and then the crushing of these skulls. And, and Lord, we're confused when we first read that verse. So, Lord, I pray that you would help us to understand this prophecy this morning and how it relates to Jesus and, Lord, also how it relates to us and our lives today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Please be seated. You know, the star of Bethlehem is a fascinating part of the Christmas story. And in fact, you know, many of the most recognizable images of Christmas are those, you know, all you got to do is see a figure of these, these men going across the desert following a star, and you immediately know that's Christmas, that's Christmas, right? We recognize that right away. But what many people don't know is that that star is a part of Old Testament prophecy. And have you ever wondered, why why did the Magi come to Bethlehem? How did they know that this star in the sky had something to do with Jesus' birth? And it all has to do with this prophecy that we've just read from Numbers 24, 17, the second great prophecy of Christmas. But in order to fully understand the prophecy, we need to do a couple things. First, we need to look at the background of the prophecy. We need to understand the context in which this prophecy was given. Who gave this prophecy? Why did they give it? And what were the main events leading up to this prophecy? The background. And then once we've explored the background of the prophecy, then we'll be ready to look at the actual content of the prophecy, the verse that we just read from Numbers 24. And then finally, we can look at the fulfillment of the prophecy uh, in the New Testament. 
There's an outline in your worship guide this morning. I'd encourage you to take that out and follow along. You'll see that we're going to look at the background, the content, and then the fulfillment of the prophecy. So we begin with the background. And the background of this particular prophecy is found in the words of blessing and cursing. Okay? Words of blessing and cursing that are connected with three specific individuals in the Old Testament. Words of blessing and cursing connected with three specific individuals, Abraham, Balak, and Balaam. He said, now, Abraham, I recognize that name. And, you know, everybody hears, okay, we know Abraham. Balak, Balaam, okay, we're probably not as familiar with them. But all three of them are essential to the background of this prophecy. So we're going to start by just looking at these three men. First, Abraham in the book of Genesis. When God first called Abraham, he spoke to Abraham words of blessing and cursing. And God called Abraham and he told him, Abraham, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. And then he told him, Genesis 12, 3, he said this, I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And so God makes Abraham the dividing line here, the dividing line. Last week, we learned in the prophecy of the great battle. Remember that last week, the great battle? We learned about the godly seed of the woman and the ungodly seed of the serpent. We now learn here in Genesis 12 that the godly seed will continue through who? Through Abraham. That God is going to make Abraham into a great nation. That God will bless those who bless Abraham. He will curse those who curse Abraham. All nations will be blessed in Abraham and through his seed. So that's Abraham's part in this prophecy. Words of blessing and cursing. Next we come to Balak. And you may not know about Balak. But for Balak's part in all this, we need to fast forward now. Okay, from the time of Abraham, we're going to fast forward to the time of Moses. And of course, by the time of Moses, God has fulfilled that first promise to Abraham, hasn't he? He said, Abraham, I'll make you into a great nation. Hey, the nation of Israel is, is a nation now. God fulfilled that promise. And then God brought the nation of Israel out of Egypt to the borders of the promised land where they traveled to the plains of Moab. He said, ooh, there's something about Moab in that prophecy. Yeah, right, Numbers 24, 17, something about Moab. They're right on the plains of Moab. They're camping along the Jordan River right across from the city of Jericho. Now, Balak, Balak is the king of Moab. He's the king of Moab. And when he sees all of the Israelites, this great nation, spread out along the border of his country, he is terrified. Okay, he's frightened. And, uh, and he sends for Balaam, the prophet. And he tells Balaam this, Numbers 22, verses 5 and 6. He says, a people has come out of Egypt. They cover the face of the land, and they have settled next to me. Now come and put a curse on these people, because they are too powerful for me. Perhaps then I will be able to defeat them and drive them out of the country. For I know that those you bless are blessed, and those you curse are cursed. And we're right back to Genesis 12, aren't we? Right? Words of blessing and cursing. 
Balak, king of Moab, wants Balaam, the prophet, to come and put a curse on the people of Israel because he believes, this is what he believes, he believes that whoever Balaam blesses will be blessed, whoever Balaam curses will be cursed. It's just one big problem here, and you've already figured it out, right? God is the one who blesses and curses, not Balaam. And problem number two, God has already promised to bless the Israelites, right? He promised that to Abraham. In fact, God has promised that he will bless those who bless Israel, and he will curse those who curse Israel. And so Balak, by trying to call a curse down upon Israel, not only will his curse fail, but Balak will only succeed in bringing that curse back upon himself and his own nation. I will curse those who curse you. So Abraham, Balak, and this brings us now to Balaam. And Balaam, is, he's just one of the most interesting uh, individuals you find in Scripture. We mostly remember Balaam because of his donkey, right? That might be the first thing you think of when you hear Balaam, his donkey. Remember God used Balaam's donkey to talk to him, the talking donkey? You know, Balaam's beating his donkey because he doesn't see this angel standing in the way with a sword drawn, and, and God opens up the mouth of the donkey, and the donkey says, why are you beating me? And, and then God warns Balaam through the donkey about this very reckless path that he's taking and going to curse the Israelites. Well, Balaam is the one who actually gives the prophecy today. Balaam is the one who speaks the second great prophecy of Christmas. And yet Balaam's not a believer. He's not a believer in God. He is a pagan prophet, and the Bible makes it very clear that he is motivated by covetousness and greed. Show me the money. Okay, that's Balaam's middle name. Show me the money. That's all he cares about here. And yet God still used Balaam to deliver this amazing prophecy about the star. You might wonder, well, how could God do that? How could God use a pagan, unbelieving prophet to deliver divine prophecy? You know what? I think that's the whole point of the donkey in this story, right? If God can speak through a donkey, he can certainly speak through Balaam as well. And hopefully your pastor. So, but you know, Balaam actually gives four prophecies about Israel in these passages. We're not going to look at all of them. They span several chapters of the book. But I'll summarize it for you. Balak basically keeps telling Balaam to curse the Israelites. But each time Balaam speaks, he's opening his mouth to curse, and God makes words of blessing come out of his mouth instead. In fact, in his very first prophecy, Balaam ends up telling Balak, because these are the words God puts in his mouth, he says this, Numbers 23, 8, he says, how can I curse those whom God has not cursed? How can I denounce those whom the Lord has not denounced? And the whole scene is pretty comical as, as Balak just keeps moving Balaam around to different areas. He goes, let's try it from up here. Let's try it up from up here. Do you see if it'll work? And Balaam just keeps blessing Israel instead of cursing them. And Balak, he's just getting madder and madder until he eventually tells Balaam to just shut up. He says, stop speaking. You know the old saying, if you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all. Well, Balak totally reverses that one around, and he basically says, if you can't curse them, 
Don't say anything at all. If you can't say anything mean and spiteful, Balak says, don't say anything at all. He says, if you can't curse them, then at least shut up, be quiet, and stop blessing them. But Balaam's on a roll now. And he just can't stop himself. He continues prophesying and blessing Israel. Finally, Balak tells him, go home. Go home. And, and no pay. No pay. You're not getting a penny from me. That must have really hurt Balaam, right? But before he leaves, Balaam speaks one last prophecy about Israel. And that's the prophecy we're looking at today. Numbers 24, 17. It's the prophecy of a great star, our second great prophecy of Christmas. So we've looked at the background of the prophecy. Okay? You need to understand all of that. Abraham and the words of blessing and cursing and Balak. You know, and, and Bal- all of that in order to understand the content of the prophecy. And so now we're in Numbers 24, 17, the prophecy of the star and the scepter. We read it earlier, but let me read it again now. This is Balaam speaking of all people. I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star will come out of Jacob. A scepter will rise out of Israel. He will crush The foreheads of Moab, there's Moab again, the skulls of all the sons of Sheph. Now, the star and the scepter in this prophecy are both royal terms. Together, they speak of a coming ruler or king. This is what we call a messianic prophecy. This is one of the prophecies in the Old Testament that was pointing forward to the Messiah. In fact, many of the early Jewish commentators on this verse, long before Jesus came, looked at this verse and said, this is about the Messiah. This is about Messiah coming. And so I want us to take a little closer look at this prophecy. There's three parts to it, isn't there? First, Balaam says that a star will come out of Jacob. Now, Jacob, that's just another name for Israel, right? Remember, God changed Jacob's name to Israel. So you might wonder, why doesn't he say a star will come out of Israel? A star will come out of Jacob. Here's the thing. Whenever you see Jacob's name in the Bible instead of Israel, you should automatically think this. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The three go together. And so this star is a reminder, once again, that this goes back to Abraham. It's a reminder of that great promise to Abraham that God would make him into a great nation, that all nations will be blessed through him. Now, Jesus will later, later on, identify himself with this star. In the book of Revelation, chapter 22, verse 16, Jesus says this, I, Jesus, am the root and the offspring of David and the bright morning Star. Now, the root and the offspring of David, those are very clear Old Testament prophecies referring to the Messiah. Here, Jesus does what? He combines the messianic prophecies about the root of David with the messianic prophecy about the star. He says that both of these prophecies are fulfilled in him. So that's the first thing Balaam says in verse 17. A star will come out of Jacob. Next, he says, a scepter will rise out of Israel. Now, the scepter, this is also messianic language. It goes all the way back to the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 49. And in Genesis chapter 49, guess who? Jacob, right? Star of Jacob. Uh, The scepter will rise out of Israel. Jacob is old and dying. 
And he calls his 12 sons, the 12 tribes of Israel, they will be one day, his sons in order that he might bless them. And as each comes forward, he speaks a word of prophecy over each one. And when we get to Judah, okay, his son Judah, we read this prophecy about the tribe of Judah, Genesis 49, 10, and we see the scepter again. He says, the scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until he comes to whom it belongs, and the obedience of the nations is his. So we have the prophecy of the star, the prophecy of the scepter, the prophecy of the scepter here in Genesis 49, 10. It was a prophecy foretelling that Judah would produce a royal line of kings, and that line would lead directly to the Messiah. And when when Messiah comes, he will rule over all the nations. It's fascinating as you read through the Old Testament how God keeps on narrowing down the line of the Messiah uh, throughout the pages of the Old Testament and through the prophecies. You know, last week we learned what? That the Messiah would be the seed of the woman. Well, that's pretty broad, right? We're all descendants of Eve. So it could be anybody, right? But then Genesis 12, we learn what? Oh, seed of Abraham. Oh, that narrows it down quite a bit. But Abraham has quite a few sons, so we learn Isaac, Jacob, and now from Jacob we learn Genesis 49, 10, Judah. It's narrowed down further. It's going to be through the tribe of Judah. And then as you, you go further on into the, uh, uh, the Old Testament, we learn that the Messiah will be a descendant of David. And we're even told where he'll be born in, in a specific town in Judah, the, the city of David, the city of Bethlehem. So Balaam in his prophecy speaks of the star and the scepter, referring to this coming ruler and king coming from the tribe of Judah. That's all in there. And then he says this. This is the part that we struggle with, don't we? He says that this ruler is going to crush the heads of Israel's enemies, right? He will crush the foreheads of Moab, the skulls of the sons of Sheth. That's just another phrase for the Moabites. Remember what God told Abraham. I will bless those who bless you, I will curse those who curse you. What did Moab do? They tried to curse Israel. And so now Moab receives God's curse in return. And of course, this head-crushing language, does that ring any bells? It should, right? What did we look at last week? The great battle, right, from Genesis 3.15, the first prophecy of Christmas, where God told the serpent, I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers, and he will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. And so Moab, in trying to curse Israel, Moab shows themselves to be what? That they belong to the seed of the serpent. And therefore, they will share in the crushing of the head prophesied back in Genesis 3.15. So we bring together the background of the prophecy. We've looked at the content This is what we've got so far. The star in the scepter refer to a future king from the tribe of Judah who will bring victory over Israel's enemies and blessing to the nations. I'll say that again. The star in the scepter in this prophecy in Numbers refers to a future king from the tribe of Judah who will bring victory over Israel's enemies and blessing to the nations. Now all of this leads us to the fulfillment of the prophecy which we find in the star of Bethlehem. We read about this earlier in the service from Matthew chapter 2, how the Magi saw the star and came to Jerusalem. Let me read those verses again. Matthew 2, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem 
in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east, and we've come to worship him. Now these magi were also known as wise men or astrologers or magicians. Uh, They would have come from the area of Babylon or Persia. By the way, that's exactly where Balaam came from. In fact, Balaam is an early example of a magi. That's what he was. We find other magi in Scripture in the books of Exodus and Daniel. Now these magi who came to see Jesus, they would have had access to the Old Testament Scriptures. Why? Because... The people of Judah were exiled to Babylon, later taken over by Persia. They would have brought their scriptures with them. The Magi were fascinated with any holy books they could get their hands on. They would have read through those scriptures. And you know what? As astrologers, they would have been especially interested in this prophecy of Balaam's, wouldn't they? A prophecy about a star. Balaam was one of their own. He was a magi. They would have studied all of Balaam's prophecies. But this one about the star, they looked at that and said, oh, what's this prophecy about? What's this one about? And so they're looking and they're studying and they're waiting. And when they see this unusual star in the sky, they get it. And they relate it back to Balaam's prophecy. They see the star and they understand from Balaam's prophecy, this means the Jewish Messiah has come into the world. And so they come to Jerusalem, seeking the one who has been born king of the Jews. And when they finally find Jesus in Bethlehem, they bow down and they worship him as king. We read in Matthew 2, picking up now in verses 9 through 11, they went on their way and the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary They bowed down and they worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. These are all gifts fit for a king. And so this is the fulfillment of the scepter part of the prophecy. The star and the scepter. The Messiah king born in the line of Judah who will rule over the nations. And, if you remember from the background of the prophecy, all of this relates back to God's promise to Abraham that all nations will be blessed through Christ. Now, there's an additional prophecy in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah 60, where we read this. And it could also refer to the star and and the magi. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. Nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of of your dawn. And the Magi here in the book of Matthew, they are an early fulfillment of this prophecy of people coming from where? From distant nations seeking Christ to worship him. You know, both at the beginning of Matthew's gospel and at the end, Matthew emphasizes something so important that Christ is for all people from all nations. You know, at the beginning of the gospel, what do you find? Magi are coming from Far away, distant nations seeking Christ to worship him. What do you find at the end of Matthew's gospel? Jesus gives the great commission. He says, go out into all the world, to all the nations, bringing the good news of Jesus. So this then is the meaning of the star. Jesus, the Messiah, has come into the world. 
He is the king who will bring victory over God's enemies and blessing to the nations. All nations, all peoples. Remember what the angel said to the shepherds who were out in their fields that first Christmas night? The angel said, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. All people, all nations. God's great promise to Abraham back in Genesis 12, all nations will be blessed through you, is ultimately fulfilled in Jesus. As foretold in the prophecy of the star in the book of Numbers, as fulfilled in the star of Bethlehem. The star is a reminder of both blessing and cursing. Remember when God made Abraham the dividing line, right? He says, Abraham, you're the dividing line. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you. Now Jesus, as the seed of Abraham, now Jesus is the dividing line. Everyone who comes to Jesus for salvation finds blessing from God. It's part of the meaning of the star. But the star also contains a warning for those who reject Jesus as Savior. Jesus is the dividing line between blessing and cursing. When you put your trust in Christ, you will be blessed. But when you reject him as Savior, you put yourself in the camp of God's enemies and you place yourself under God's judgment. And so you have a choice this morning. You can choose either blessing or cursing. That's the choice. The Magi made their choice. They saw the prophesied star in the east and they chose blessing. They chose blessing. They chose to follow that star. They traveled hundreds of miles just to find Jesus and to bow down and worship him as king. And so I encourage you this morning to be like the, the Magi. Choose blessing. Choose blessing, not cursing. Choose blessing. Come to Jesus and know the blessing and favor of God that comes to all who put their trust in Christ. Because that is the meaning of this second great prophecy of Christmas. That is the message for all of us from the star of Bethlehem. Let us pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for your word, for this amazing prophecy spoken through the lips of an unbelieving pagan prophet uh, who only had ungodly motivations. And yet, Lord, you put the words in his mouth that would guide not only the Magi to Jesus so many years ago, but I pray that would guide all of us to you today to put our faith in Jesus as the Christ, the Son of God, the Messiah, the King born in the line of Judah, who, is to come, who has come into the world to bring blessing to all the nations as you promised Abraham so many years ago. Thank you, Lord, for this prophecy of the star. May we take it to heart, and may we choose the blessing of knowing Jesus our Savior this Christmas. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.